0: Welcome to The Theory Force Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. What do you treasure? What are the most valuable things in your life? Today is the conclusion to our series called Treasure. This series has been centered around parables or stories that Jesus expressly told about money. In the first week, Pastor Nicole shared about greed and how it isn't just about our money and our stuff, but it's our heart attitude towards our things that matters. And last week, Pastor Quint Lindblad joined us to talk about ambition, and he reminded us that ambition is good, but we need to use it towards doing good, not just getting things for ourselves. Today, Pastor Nicole is wrapping up this series by talking about generosity. How do we overcome our selfishness to be more generous? So let's discover that today and learn about the parable of the 10 minas. Here's Pastor Nicole
1: ending our series today called Treasure, and in this three-week series, we're looking at parables in the scripture that Jesus told about money. Now, the first week, we talked about the parable of the rich fool in Luke 12. Last week, we talked about the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16, and this week, we will cover the parable of the 10 minas in Luke 19. Now, about 30% of the time Jesus taught, he addressed the use of money. And as we work through these parables, we see that Jesus is not primarily concerned about the money itself, okay? So actually, about 30% of the time, he's talking about resources, he's talking about money, but really, it's about the obedience and the motivation behind our giving and our giving reveals our heart condition. So even though that these parables are about giving and about money, it really is more about what's happening inside of our heart. Okay, so we're gonna start in Luke 19, like I said. Now, I wanna warn you up front, there's gonna be a quiz after I teach about this, okay? So just get ready, take copious notes. All right, so in Luke 19, we find the parable of the 10 minas. Now, in this parable, the man gave 10 minas to each of his 10 servants and told them to get to work with it. Now, if you don't know what a mina is, it's a good sum of money. It's the equivalent of three months' wages. And he was testing their stewardship, their faithfulness, right, their ability. And as Jesus tells it, when the master returned from his time away, he awarded the steward who had done well. So I want to read to you uh, in verse 16. The king distributes the minas and he comes home and he says, uh, in verse 16, the first one came and said, sir, your mina has earned 10 more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of 10 cities. So then the king uh, addresses another servant who did well. And then he comes to the servant who put the mina away, and didn't do anything with it. And the servant, the servant said, listen, I was afraid, I was afraid to invest it, I was afraid to use it, because I was afraid I was gonna lose it. I was afraid that I was gonna not be able to do anything with it, and so he doesn't use it at all. But he does say, but I kept this original 10 safe. And, and the, the king, the parable reads that the king says to him, in Luke 19, 24, then he said to those standing by, take his mina away from him. And give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. And he replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. So the parable of the ten minas actually is similar to the parable of the talents in Matthew 25. You may remember that, right? These kind of sound like similar stories or similar parables that Jesus is telling. But listen, you will, uh, if you look deeper, you might assume these are the same, but there's enough differences to actually warrant a very different point that Jesus is trying to make. Okay, so one of the big differences in the parable of the minas is that each servant receives the same amount. Okay, in the parable of the talents, each servant receives a different amount. So when we talk about the parable of the talents, we talk about how, you know, some people get uh, musical gifts, and some people get leadership gifts, right? And some people have, have a lot of this and a little of that. Well, in this particular parable, everybody got the same thing. Not that's significant. That, that actually gives us a different interpretation of what's happening here. All right, so pop quiz time. You ready? How many servants were there in the parable? Ten. There are ten. How many minas did each servant receive? Ten. How many cities did the servant get to take charge of because he was able to steward his mina as well? Okay, all the answers are ten. I'm just letting you know. Okay. 10, the pop quiz, all the answers are the same. 10 represents testing through the scripture. Okay, wherever you see 10, when you are reading in the scripture, begin to say to yourself, now wait a minute, this number often is connected and represents testing. Let me give you some examples. In Egypt, there were plagues that harassed Pharaoh. You remember this story, there was like toads and crickets and blood and all this stuff, right? How many plagues were there? Same answer as the last one, 10. His heart was tested 10 times. This one's easy, how many commandments are there? Ten, Our obedience to these commandments are put to the test. In Daniel 1, the king tested him and the servants uh, to do a a fast for 10 days. God tested Israel 10 times in the wilderness. God tested Jacob's heart 10 times when he was working for Laban. There were 10 virgins in the New Testament who took oil out in their lamps looking for the bridegroom. Some of them had enough oil and passed the test, and others didn't. Do you see this? 10, 10, 10, 10 means a test. I tried to find a Cooper Cup uh, jersey today to wear that had number 10 on it, and I couldn't, but I wanted to drive my point home. All right, that's a football player if you don't know who that is. Now here's here's what really blew my mind, you ready? The word tithe in the Bible literally means 10th. It is a 10th part, right, 10%, the tithe. And so the tithe, the 10th, is the, a test. It's the thing that ultimately tests the heart of the believer. So that's why tithing is so important for you and for me because it is a test of the condition of our heart. Uh, Pastor Quint and I have been talking about this for the last several weeks and this is what we've been saying. Listen, if you do not give on all the resources that you receive on any level, you quite possibly are failing the test. The scripture says that, listen, Matthew 6:24. no one can serve two masters. You will serve God or money. And the test that shows who you serve is the tithe. So the parable in Luke 19 is all about God evaluating stewardship. Why did each servant do with what God, what, what did each servant do with what God gave them? How did they handle it? Did they handle their resources God's way or their own way? And what Jesus is teaching us in this parable is God rewards good stewardship. God multiplies good stewardship. God does big things with small things. And not only will he reward you in the age to come, but now as well. He will reward you while you are stewarding what he gives you on earth. Okay, so I want to look in, in Luke 6, just a few chapters earlier there's this incredible image of how it works when we give. Okay? And Jesus is saying, whatever you give is going to be given back to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So I just want to look at Luke 6:36 through 38. It says this: therefore, be merciful. Just as your father is merciful, do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, and it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, this scripture is speaking about our resources, but it's also a principle that applies to every area of our lives. It's talking about forgiveness and mercy and understanding and generosity. Now, let me just explain to you, like, what does this mean? It it sounds really poetic, right? It's kind of a neat, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Uh, In fact, um, the kindergartners here at Erie First Christian Academy learned this verse, memorized it just a few weeks ago, and my daughter Mercy was showing me all the hand motions, pressed down, shaken together. She was doing Olympics in my living room so that she could remember this verse. And it's so excellent, and maybe you've heard it before, but have you ever wondered, okay, what does this mean? So according to the instructions in the Old Testament, farmers in Israel were to leave the grain in the corners of their fields for the poor to glean. So imagine this, every year at harvest time, There's two sets of harvesters in the field. The primary harvesters in the middle of the field who are being paid to bring in the crop, and the poor people in the corners who are harvesting the crop in order to feed themselves and feed their families. Okay, so there's the primary harvesters um, who are in the middle of the field, They're carrying a basket of grain. They're bringing it back to the barn or to the wagon, and and then they're dumping it, and then they go back out to the field and fill the basket again. And honestly, to these workers, it didn't really matter how full their baskets were. Um, In fact, they were being paid by the hour, so they didn't really care. They just needed to stay busy. They needed to work until they got the baskets uh, to the grain was in the barn. But this was not the case for the poor people working in the corners of the field. Now, just imagine for a minute, that field was probably nowhere near their home, so they had walked several miles to get there. Uh, They knew that they would only get one turn during this time of year. This was their shot. And so whatever they could fill in their basket would be the amount of food that they would have for their families for this season. And so the incentive for them really was life or death. They didn't want a partial measure. They didn't want a half measure. They wanted a full measure. They wanted everything they could possibly fit. And so when I was reading the scripture and thinking about it, uh, this is my modern day application. (laughs) Airlines right now are charging for bags. Any of you flow recently? You get to get on that plane, but you have to pay $50 (laughs) to bring your bag. And so I travel a, a little bit to different places, and, and when I am going, when I know this bag is going to cost me $50, you know what I do? This is like Tetris in here, okay? I roll up those those T-shirts. I'm like vacuum packing the air out of them, right? So I can bring all the shoes I need. to have an amen? Anybody out there? Okay, you need a lot of shoes, even though it's a three-day trip. Cheryl knows what I'm talking about. All right, so I make sure that I get everything in here that I need, because I don't want to half measure. I'm paying 50 dollars for this bag right I don't want to partly measure I want a full measure of what I can take in this little bag and so this is what it started thinking about for me is that those poor harvesters would have a basket and they would go out and get the grain and first they would compress it down like they would make sure that there was no extra space in their basket And then they would say, okay, uh, I'll just put a little bit more, just just a little bit more, and then I'll shake it, and I'll make sure there's no air pockets, you know, right, you want to... You can't make sure the air pockets aren't in there. And if you put the shoes inside the shoes, it, there's, that's like a pro tip if you want to write that one down. And so you make sure that you can get everything you need. And then they said, and not just, not just press down, not just shake in together to make sure I have everything, but then I want to make sure I have every possible thing that I need because I might change my mind about what I want to wear. And it is filling over. And so here's what this, this scripture means is that, listen, you want to fill it up to a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and yet still running over. It's one thing to receive a basket of free grain. It is far better to receive a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over basket of free grain. And that's why the Lord chose to use these terms. He knew his listeners in Israel would instantly connect with what he was trying to say. And that's my prayer for you today, (laughs) that you connect with packing for a trip. Because this is what he communicated, was that whatever you give to God, whatever you give to God, you are going to get a lot more in return. Whatever you give to God, you're going to get a lot more in return. This is a universal principle with God. You will always receive back more than you give. And Luke says, if we give judgment, judgment will be given back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. If we give condemnation, condemnation will be given back to us in good measure. But if we give forgiveness... An abundance of forgiveness will be given back to us. If we sow love, we will receive an overflowing harvest of love. The message of Jesus is this, give, give, press down, shake it together, overflowing, because you know what comes back to you is something far greater, far more than you could ever dream or imagine. And that's why it's a core value here at our church is radical generosity, is listen, give to those who ask of you, give to those who can't pay you back, give to those that, that you love and those that, you, that don't deserve it, give mercy to those who wrong you, give the kind of treatment that you would hope that someone else would give you, give, give, give. And Luke 6 tells us, and by the way, when you do, your heavenly Father will make sure that you receive more in return, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. What will you do with your 10 minas? What will you do with what God gave you? In this scripture, it, it, it equalizes all of humanity. We all have 10. I have 10, you have 10. Person sitting next to you has 10. And the question is, what will you do with your 10? What will you do with what God has given you? You know, I think the main obstacle we have in giving abundantly, it's really our own hearts. By the way, I was packing this up last night and Joel's like, "Uh, where are you going? (laughs) I was like, oh, just church in the morning. I don't, know what I, I don't know what shirt I want to wear. You know? <laughs> but the main obstacle we have in giving abundantly is our own hearts. Because here's the deal. We have naturally selfish hearts. Let's, let's just be honest with ourselves. All of us today in our 10 minas, right? We have naturally selfish hearts. We are all selfish. The default condition of our human heart is to hoard. It's to avoid sharing with anyone. It's to take care of ourselves. It's to get our own In fact, you can probably be sure that the first thought that you have about giving is a fleshly one. That's that's usually what happens first. And until you put your heart and your thought into surrender to Jesus, then your selfish heart is probably the one speaking the loudest. And God says, I want to deal with your selfish heart. I want to make you like me. I want to make you a giver because you are a steward and not an owner. I think the inversion of that is this. If you start thinking, if something comes in your mind that you should give radically, like if you keep thinking about giving to someone's missions trip, or you keep thinking about giving to a family who has a need or a neighbor who just had a loss in their life, or or maybe there's a project at church that you keep thinking about, and you just can't get it off your mind, listen, this is Jesus, okay? (laughs) That is not your own flesh. You will not naturally say, oh, I should just give my resources away that is the voice of god and that is probably jesus talking to you so pay attention to that voice because every time you act on it you fine-tune your ear to the holy spirit we are born selfish but we can be born again generous we can be born again generous look at someone next to you and say that's good news that is good news all right lastly Another reason that's difficult for us uh, to give this way, to give and and be pressed down, shaken together, and running over, is that often our hearts are ungrateful. Again, it takes work for our hearts to stay grateful. Um, So often, I think we we just kind of autopilot into feeling ungrateful. And In Deuteronomy 15, 15, it says, remember, this is God, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God redeemed you. That is why I give you this command today. God wants the Israelites to remember that they had been slaves. And here's why. Because it would fill their hearts with gratitude for what he had done for them. I don't know if this happens to you, but every once in a while in worship or in my prayer time, my past comes to mind. My past comes to mind, and, and maybe it comes because the enemy wants to remind me of the, of the things of the shame and the guilt that I feel, but you know what you can do with that when your past comes to mind is that you, you don't want to uh, take on uh, guilt or condemnation, but your past can produce gratitude. Your past can remind you of what God saved you from, of what God delivered you from, of how God changed your life, of how you used to be that way. You were on a path to heartache and destruction, but God saved you from what could have been. And when we realize what God spared us and saved us from, our heart overflows with thankfulness for him. Can anyone testify today to that? Like God saved you and God redeemed you and you're glad, Lord, today you're thankful that he changed you. You're thankful that you are in a different spot than you could have been. And I just wanna encourage you this week, start thanking God for what you have, almost obnoxiously. Like you're driving in your car, you thank God you have that car. You fill up at the gas tank. You thank God that you have gas to fill in the gas tank. You're, you're, um, you know, at your home. You you thank God that, that you got laundry to fold. Thank you, God, for these feet that wear these dirty socks that I'm washing again. You thank God for the things in your life. Thank the Lord that you have stuff to steward. You have things because God has entrusted you with what you have. And this discipline will help your heart stay grateful. And when we are grateful, we're generous. When we're grateful, we're generous. Genuine gratitude to God is a rare and powerful thing. So maintaining an unselfish and a grateful heart enables us to give generously. And Jesus is looking for people with that kind of heart to trust with his resources. And so really, the question of this whole series is this, will you be someone he can trust? In fact, I just want you to right now, just between you and the Lord, ask God, am I someone that you trust with your resources? Like, have I been faithful with what you've given me? Am I someone that you can trust with your resources? When the Israelites were in the wilderness, um, God sent manna to the ground. He had water come out of a rock. A cloud was like the HVAC system of the day. It kept them cool, kept them warm whenever they needed it. And it's this beautiful story of learning to trust God. And the people of Egypt, you know what they did? God provided for everything that they needed. You know what they did? They took all the gold they had and they melted it into a golden calf. And God said, What are you doing? You have everything that you need. And the Israelites said, Yeah, but we're just worried. We just don't know. We might not have enough. Even though God was providing for them every single minute. And here's what we learned from that. All of our blessings from God have the potential to either finance kingdom purpose or become an obstacle to it. All of them. All of the things God gave you can either finance kingdom purpose or become an obstacle to it. But we get to choose And when we keep our heart unselfish and grateful, it will keep us from making the same mistake the Israelites did. They trusted their own wealth, they trusted their own resources to protect and to provide for them instead of God himself. And that's what this parable really is all about. This idea that we all have life, we all have things, we all have the same uh, life to live, we have all the same time in the day, what will we do with it? What will we do with the 10 minas that God has given us? And listen, it is a test of our heart condition before God. It's a test. And I wanna pass that test. And I want you to pass that test. And I want our church to pass that test. So here's how we're gonna close this series today. Um, On these tables here to my right and to my left, and there's some in the middle as well, there's these uh, little index cards and there's some pens. And here's what I want you to do is just for a moment, I want you to think of two or three things that God has entrusted you to steward. Things you're in charge of, okay? Things that are your treasure. maybe it's your income, maybe it's your tithe, your offering, your business, your house, your car, your time, your talents. Maybe it's little kids that you're raising right now. Maybe it's grandchildren. Anything God has brought to mind during this series, I want you to make it personalized to you. And then I want to ask you uh, when you're ready to go to one of those tables, write, write them on your card. Write one per card. We can we we can have enough for all of that. And I want you to come down. and um, and Pastor Daniel and Pastor Quint are gonna be standing here by these bulletin boards. You guys can go ahead right now and stand there and they'll help you and you're gonna pin it up there. And here's the idea, you don't have to put your name on it, you don't have to identify who you are, but here's the idea is that collectively together, this action in the natural is gonna signify a supernatural surrender. We're gonna actually surrender what we have to the Lord because when we give, we always receive back more, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid to give anything to the Lord. In fact, everything he's given us, we can give back to him in confidence that we believe that God will do even bigger and better things than what we can even imagine. So would you stand? And I'm just going to ask you to go ahead now, fill out the cards with the things you treasure, post them on the board. It's, it's an action of the heart. It's an action of surrender. And the worship team is just going to uh, lead us in some worship as well. And then I'll pray here in just a few moments. treasure. We want to be in a position of surrender with our whole lives. And I pray we can give back to you everything you give us and that we will watch as you give back to us, pressed down, shaken together and running over. God, thank you for your goodness to us. We don't deserve it. We've never earned it, but you're faithful. We love you. We praise you today. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you didn't get a chance, uh, you can come down and still put your card on or if you didn't want to walk up in front of everyone, I understand that. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next Sunday.
0: Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss a message and share it with your friends. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.